Well, the big day came and the big day went, and the Pac-12 is like an old Geico commercial. You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free, still Colorado free, of course, but beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. Appreciate all of you out there. Subscription numbers on YouTube been outstanding. Overall listenership and viewership of the show also been great and I appreciate you all very much. We are going to talk about football today because football is, you know, right around the corner. Going to ask uh, another big question this time of the Huskies and then a couple of mailbag questions. But the big news of course is that the Pac-12 didn't sign its media deal yesterday. Remember that old I'm pretty sure it's a Geico commercial. There's like an old guy with a fishing rod. You know, he's got the fishing rod and at the end of it is a dollar bill. And he's just like, oh, you almost had it. Oh, you got to be quicker than that. And he just keeps raising it up. That's kind of how it feels. Is we got this big slew of reports the other day of the Pac-12 is going to present a deal. And then Arizona's meeting in the afternoon. And then the Pac-12 met. And, and then and then there it was, you know, not, not, nothing, nothing signed. And they had to go back to their corners. They had to retreat. And it's just like, we're just... We're along for the ride. I mean, you, me, everybody else who cares about this conference, this is what we've got right now. We we're, we are too invested to be able to pull out, even if I wanted to. I'm wearing a Seattle Mariners shirt right now. The Mariners, oftentimes, throughout my entire life, have frustrated me to no end for their inability to make the big moves, for their ability to make dumb moves, for players not working out. All the time. And there are moments when things are at their peak frustration and they are just being so Mariners that it hurts. I'm still going to watch the game later tonight, by the way. But there are moments where I just say, man, I, I would love sometimes if I could just not care, if I could just not be invested in it. But guess what? I'm not wired like that. Once I'm in, I'm in. I got to see this thing through to the end. That's where we're at with the pack. We've all gotten to this point. We all understand where it's going to go. JK, we have no idea where it's going to go. So we don't know who would sign the deal. We don't know all the details about the deal. We don't know what Arizona wants to do specifically. And that's kind of where we're sitting. Like at the end of the day, for for what was the most indicative, there have been other times where I've thought, oh, wow, it looks like we could really be getting some information here. Oh, hey, this is coming up soon. Hey, San Diego State is openly hinting about uh, an impen- uh, about a pending uh, Pac-12 move or a Power 5 move. Oh, boy, this is going to happen. And it just doesn't happen. This was like the most clear one where it looked like, hey, something is going to go down here. Now, to be fair, it's not as if they didn't meet, Right. The meeting took place, a deal was presented, Twitter went crazy, of course, because, well, that's kind of what Twitter does, naturally. 
We don't know all the details of the deal. Now, the biggest thing that has been reported by Pete Thamel of ESPN and others is that Apple is going to be heavily involved. I would have preferred Amazon perhaps, but if Apple's going to be there, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. The understanding, as I have seen it reported by others who are closer to the situation than myself, is that Apple would then take over the Pac-12 network. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. It is easier for people to access Apple TV if they want to than it was to access the Pac-12 network. That, that, is, that, that is the way that I see the situation. So I think it's an upgrade in that sense. But the question, and this is what I encourage you all to not jump to conclusions about. I understand that there's a rumor here and there's speculation there and there's reports about this, that, and the other thing. There are so many questions about this deal that haven't even been addressed. Well, the deal's only going to be $20 million. Has the deal been presented yet? Nope. It could be. Maybe it, maybe it ends up being that. But we haven't actually seen the deal. We don't actually know what the numbers are. So that's the first part. Now, there's this whole subscription concept that's been tossed around out there with regards to, well, they're going to be able to get past the Big 12 eventually if they hit certain subscription numbers. That would be a risky proposition if it ends up being the case. But again, we still haven't seen the deal. We don't know everything about it. And as frustrating as it is, I, I think, honestly, a big part of why people jump to this sort of stuff and the conclusions is because of the sentiment I expressed at the beginning of this show. This thing has gone on for so long as a Pac-12 fan, and I know that there are a lot of other fans who feel this way. It's just frustrating that this continues to drag on over and over. Like, we're tired of it. It's the biggest story in the conference. That's why I'm leading my show with it. Because that's my responsibility as the host of this show, is to keep you as informed as I can and provide commentary on the biggest stories in the conference. This is the biggest story in the conference. But we're all kind of tired of it at this point. I, I don't know that there's anybody out there, including people who cover this sort of stuff, or at least the, in, in the space of talking about it like I am in, that aren't at the point where it's like, man, can, can this just end? Like one way or the other, Pac-12 implosion, Pac-12 sign a deal, Pac-12 sign a great deal, Pac-12 sign a bad deal, whatever it is. Can we just wrap it up so that we can get to talking about football? Because holy smokes, this just keeps going. Now, in defense of the Pac-12 here, to be fair, there is some rationale in the deal is presented, but you're not signing it right away. The indications have been some schools and presidents have, or some presidents of schools have more authority to unilaterally act in the interests of their school more than others. So some might have to go back to the board and ask, is this good enough? Are we comfortable with this? Or do we need to make a change and go over here? Those discussions are going to take place. So at some level, it makes sense. But still, with the way that the day was built up, I guess I never really thought about that, that the deal would be presented 
I thought they might have had a better idea of what it was. I thought it would be more the final offer. And look, I'm not intimately familiar with how these negotiations work, but the way that I it was playing out in my head, and I think the heads of many of you, which is why so many people are frustrated and annoyed with this sort of stuff, is, okay, we've been talking about this deal for months. You have to have some idea of what it is, and you're just tweaking the final details, and then it gets presented and everybody gets on board or doesn't get on board. But instead, what we got was... There's a deal. It's been presented. The numbers have not been officially released by the PAC-12. The PAC-12 front office, as per our usual arrangement, declined to comment on the matter. As I record this show, nobody has jumped. And now we wait to see when they're going to figure out if they're going to approve the deal or not. Or if, God forbid, they have to go back and amend certain components. But... There are still so many questions about the deal because we don't see it yet because it hasn't been finalized because we don't know if they're going to approve it. Arizona might see it and say, nope, we want to go and we want to bring Arizona State and Utah with us. Maybe. Or they'll all say, yeah, yeah, that's good enough. We'll stay here. We're good. We're we're, we're content. We're happy with all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I just am... I'm I'm amazed at the league's continued ability to not finalize this stuff and just the way that they just keep being able to set us up. All right, here's a big piece of juicy news. Nope. You got to wait. So we just got to keep waiting. Now, for a long time, I told you here on the show, everydayers are aware, I was in the mindset of I don't wake up every day thinking, is this the day we're going to see the Pac-12 media deal? But when they told us we were going to wake up and see the Pac-12 media deal, or at least that they were going to see it, I kind of changed my mentality a little bit. Maybe that's on me. Maybe I need to make an adjustment on that front. So I'm back in the mindset of I'm just going to be patient and wait it out like everybody else. What a time. What a time this is. I hope one day everything settles down, normalizes, and we can get back to just talking about football, which... I pledge to you, I am going to do on this very show. I also pledge to you that LinkedIn Jobs is a place you need to be looking because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So go create a free job post in minutes, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality candidates and hires first leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply i don't know what i need more recording this show the second segment sip or actual honest to goodness football it's a tie i i i think that's a tie because I do truly need both. Let's talk about some football. Been going through and asking the big questions for every team in the lead up to a series of shows that will begin next week, and those be my favorite shows in the world. Season schedule predictions. Mm. 
Oh, I'm going to predict every team's record in the pack. I cannot wait. Cal's going 12-0 and and USC's going 4-8, just as like a quick summary of what I'm going to do there. Not actually, but no, Cal's not going 12-0. They're going 11-1. So the big question that we're asking today is about Washington. Washington, that was a team that surprised me more than most a year ago, but I think surprised everybody at some level that got off to a hot start, the big win over Michigan State. Then they dropped back-to-back games on the road against UCLA, a good team, and on the road against Arizona State, not a good team. After that, they didn't lose a football game. Did you know that? Do you remember that? Yeah, they ended the game on uh, what they call a W7. Seven straight wins for the Huskies. They rattled them off. Have not lost since that game down in Tempe a year ago in what was, I believe, the month of October. So it's been a minute. They've been a tough team to beat, and they bring back so many players. There aren't that many questions to ask. Now, I thought of two here, and I really went back and forth on what is what the biggest question is for Washington this year. What is the, what is the one element that is most going to define how Washington's season goes in 2023 as they look to win the Pac-12 championship for the first time since 2018. Also the last time they appeared in that game. So, what's the big question? I went back and forth. I was torn. I was was here, I was there, I was here, I was there. It reminded me of this scene in Open Season, a classic movie with Martin Lawrence, where I forget who voices whom it's an animated film it's really really funny i enjoyed watching that as a kid the moose is in or the deer deer the deer whoever the deer is is in the trash can he and he finds a cup of coffee and he and he he, he sips it and he goes ew ew it's good it's bad it's good he can't decide right he's just going back and forth back and forth darting left and right here's where i landed on biggest question for washington is can you keep Michael Penix upright the same way you did a season ago? Now, that's question 1A. Question 1B is can your secondary play better than they did last year? Because that's a team that gave up 45 points to Arizona State. Why in the world did that happen? I don't know. Well, I have half an idea, but that's not something that you can afford to do in a Pac-12 that has got a lot of different contenders in it and a lot of really good teams. And Washington has to play Utah and USC and UCLA. No, not UCLA, I don't think. And Oregon State. They have to play all of those teams. Those not be easy games. Lest we overlook that they're going on the road for a Power 5 opponent in East Lansing, that being Michigan State, for a team that is trying to regain their footing. Vegas likes the Huskies in that one by a pretty hefty margin. There's something like 10, 11, 11 11.5 point favorite last time I checked. So... And, and that being on the road, yeah, that's pretty sizable that Vegas likes Washington in that game quite a bit because Michigan State has struggled to defend the pass. But anyway, I bring it back to the big question for Washington is can they keep Michael Penix upright the way that they did a season ago? When Michael Penix went from Indiana to Washington, he enjoyed three radical changes from his time over in Whatever city the University of Indiana is in, I will confess I don't know off the top of my head. This isn't a Big Ten podcast yet. (laughs) See what I did there? No, I'm just kidding. So it's not a Big 12 podcast yet. So anyway, he he went there 
and then came to Washington, and he enjoyed three upgrades. Number one, he got back with Kalen DeBoer. His best season in Indiana came when Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator in 2019. DeBoer took the head, head job at Fresno State, was there in 2020, 2021, and then a year ago got to Washington, did very well, and did very well with Michael Penix as a quarterback. That was upgrade number one. Upgrade number two, you cannot look at the receiving core at Washington and the receiving core at Indiana and think that they're in the same, same category. You can't do it. But the third one is, I think, the most important one. Because Michael Penix at Indiana, when he was a Hoosier, did not complete. And this is one of the reasons that I was down on Washington going into last year. He had not completed a full season of college football. Well, he did last year. He avoided the injury bug. And now he looks like a first to second round, probably first round NFL draft pick with the way he slung it all over the field a season ago. So the question for Washington is, can you keep him upright the way you did in 2022? That offensive line has got some key returners. They lost a key piece in Jackson Kirkland. But overall, that's a unit that could very well define Washington's success because they're a pass-first offense. Pass-first offense. I didn't pronounce that very clearly. And I always try to do that. Maybe. I think I need another quick sip momentarily. That's so much better. So it is a pass-first offense. If you are going to run an offense that throws the ball well over 50% of the time and asks your quarterback, who is, I won't say immobile, but we're not going to act like he's the most mobile guy. He was kind of mobile before all the injuries. He can still move a little bit, but it's not a feature of his game. His game is playing from the pocket, having time to throw, letting his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, dial up a bevy of well-conceived and executed plays, and let him sit there and slice and dice. But in order to do that, your offensive line has to hold up. And they were amazingly good last year. Pac-12 has got some great offensive lines. Oregon's is good. Washington's is really good. Oregon State's might be the best in the conference. Not kidding there. Utah's also good year in and year out. Caleb Williams, he was under pressure sometimes last year. But he also had time to throw a lot of the time last year. And PFF tends to like USC's offensive line. You look at all those units, and shocker, it translates to being among the best teams in the conference. Who could have foreseen? Anyway, so I look at Washington's offensive line and say that is a question that has to be answered. If Washington is going, it has to be answered in a positive way, at least, if Washington is going to hit their ceiling. Because if you tell me right now the offensive line takes a step back and rather than being a top 10 unit, they fall down to somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 50th in the country compared to what they were a season ago, sacks allowed, the time they gave Michael Penix to throw, that changes the offense radically. And maybe you have to run the ball a little bit more. That's not when Washington was at their best a season ago. It was when Penix was throwing the ball all over the field. That's what they wanted to do. So it's not that they can't run the football, but I'd say it's more something they do under Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, at least last year, that keeps the defense honest rather than being a feature of their offense. They are all about throwing the ball and pass protection. And so you've got to be able to keep your quarterback up right there. Because in this league, if your quarterback gets hurt because he's taken too many hits, 
it's just going to be tough to recover because you're going to have such a gap at quarterback, most likely, in terms of talent compared to what you have on the other side. If you have to play without your starter even for one or two games, it's why the biggest question I ask for Utah coming into the year is, are you able to assure me right now Cam Rising will play nine conference games all healthy? Because if you can't guarantee me that right now, I can't put Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do that from a prediction standpoint. Last year, Utah got fairly fortunate. Kind of. They got fairly fortunate, kind of, because the game that Cam Rising was unable to play, I believe he missed just one. He might have he missed more than that, but I know that he missed one game in particular, and it was at Washington State. Now, that's not an easy game to win. But it's not exactly the hardest game that was on Utah's schedule either. It's closer to the hardest game than the easiest. But Washington State was not a conference contender last year. They were a good team. They were a bowl team. They're a tough place to beat up there in Pullman. But if Cam Rising had to miss, let's just say as an example, the USC game, uh, no chance that the Utes are winning that one. But Washington State, it's more manageable. So that's why that's the question there. And that's why it's a question for Michael Penix. Is I think the margins for error to make the conference championship game in this league in 2023 are going to be very, very small. And if your quarterback takes too many hits and a guy who's had an injury history were to have that pop up again, it could really impact their offense. Oregon's offense last year had to make do against Utah with Bo Nix hobbling around on one foot. I mean, he could barely move. And guess what? The Oregon offense had its worst game of the year, and they barely scraped by. But if Bo Nix had had to play another game where he was that significantly hobbled, he got better as the year went on. But if that had been the case, that would have kept Oregon out of the conference championship conversation as long as they were. Like, they would not have been in the race as long as they were if Bo Nix had been hurt like that. So that's why it's my big question for Washington is can you once again give Michael Penix all the time he needs, not force him to be something he's not, which is a mobile quarterback who's making a lot of plays from outside the pocket. Can Ryan Grubb continue to get the ball out of his hands on time, allow him to deliver on target throws from a clean pocket, not risk injury by having to move around a lot? If so, yeah, Washington can win the Pac-12. Absolutely. All right, a couple mailbag questions to wrap up today's show. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions wide open. A lot of you have uh, have figured that out lately. Yeah, the uh, the old the old Twitter sphere or X. I don't even know. That, just, nobody likes that. Anyway, the old Twitter sphere has been, shall we say, quite popular over the last couple months. Uh, this question from Duck2081A. Spencer, in Springfield this week, and I have a question. Does Lincoln Riley follow Caleb Williams when he leaves next year? Seahawks fire Pete. Would be interesting to follow this year. Well, first of all, the Seahawks fan, I would love it if we just sucked this year and then got Caleb Williams. I also know that that's not going to happen. Twofold. Number one, Seahawks are not going to be that bad. I don't know that they'll be great, but they won't be that bad. Uh, And then number two, I don't think they can be bad enough to even get to the number one draft pick. Uh, And then number three, Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. This is wishful thinking, in my view, that Lincoln Riley would need to follow Caleb Williams. Because remember, Caleb Williams may be the best NFL prospect Lincoln Riley has coached, but 
he has now put four guys into the final three in Heisman voting, and he's had a guy win it three times. He's going to be just fine. Caleb Williams is great, but they've got Malachi Nelson waiting in the wings. That's a five-star quarterback. I've seen him in person. He spins it. Dude's a baller. He's got all the tools. The, the success of Lincoln Riley has never been tied to an individual player. And as great as Caleb Williams is, no, I don't see him saying, oh my gosh, I have to go with, uh, with Caleb, you know, the way that uh, Chip Kelly kind of tried to do when he went to the NFL and, uh, and Mariota went there as well. So, no. Uh, short answer, I do not. Uh, although Mariota was there for two more seasons after he was there, so it wasn't exactly the same. But Chip Kelly did try and get Marcus Mariota uh, to the Eagles when he was coaching there. But the Titans weren't willing to take the package that they offered. So, no, I do not think that, that, is, uh, that that's going to happen. I think he's at USC, at least till he gets to the playoff and wins the national championship. And we'll see if the defense can improve enough to allow that to happen. Last one here from Joseph. I can see why the Pac-12 wouldn't do the same thing since night games are important to TV executives. But what about playing November night games in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and San Diego instead of in the northern schools? It's clear that the players and fans would enjoy the game much more if the weather was better, but since LA schools are in the Big Ten, Pac-12 could at least have a presence in Los Angeles. Well, first of all, that's why they need to figure their bleep out and add San Diego State so they can continue to have a presence in Southern California, number one. Number two, the Bay Area schools are still there, so it's not as if you won't ever have the conference playing games in, in, in the, the Golden State. Number three, I'm not a fan of removing home environments unless it's a postseason structure. Like these preseason or, or these non-conference you know, matchups like Oregon-Georgia last year, which was basically a road game for the Ducks, but it was at a neutral site. Or, you know, I, I would rather see Washington play Michigan State in Seattle and then play them in East Lansing. I would rather UCLA actually have Michigan not bail on them and play Michigan once in Ann Arbor and once down in, in Los Angeles. I, I would rather see Wisconsin host Washington State and then go play Washington State in Pullman rather than going to a neutral site. Because while fans may not always love, though the, where the games get played when it's cold, they're a little bit more accustomed to it, of course. They may not always love that, but for the fans who are there, at least they're able to go to the game. Not everybody in Pullman can just readily take a weekend, hop on a flight, go down to Las Vegas and watch Washington State uh, you know, play, play Utah or somebody rather than playing up in Pullman. I, I'm, I'm a fan of using, using the campuses utilizing the the home field environments that that you have there and you know non-conference or uh, neutral site matchups rather those are for bowl games and the postseason not not for the regular season you know i could see i could see non-conference matchups perhaps you know the pac-12 being played there even though as i said i'd rather see a home and home like washington state and wisconsin for instance just as an example but I don't see, or, you know, like Stanford, Notre Dame. It's never played at a neutral site. It's played at Notre Dame, and it's played at Stanford. USC, Notre Dame, same thing. It's played at Notre Dame, it's played at Stanford, or USC. It's played at USC, played at Notre Dame, and go back and forth. That's the way to do it. I, I don't think you need to incorporate the neutral site. I don't think it really brings anything to the table. You know, like, fans are going to have better weather. It's football. If, if, if you don't like the cold weather, 
too bad. If you can't play golf in the rain, guess what? You're not going to win the Open Championship. That, that's that's just the way it is. You got to be able to deal with the elements. That's uh, that's a part of the sport. So uh, no, I'm not 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 a huge fan of that. But I am a huge fan of the questions. Keep them coming. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.